We, we've been in a series on the book of Jonah, and, and we've been talking about the rebellion and how Jonah rebelled against the Lord. And let me kind of talk to you, bring you up to speed on this story, because today I'm closing it out with chapter 4. But we talked about how Jonah heard a word from the Lord, and the Lord told Jonah to go to, go to Nineveh and to preach. And Jonah, he did not want to do it, so he ran the other way. He got on a ship, and he sailed to Tarshish, which was in the opposite direction from Nineveh. And Jonah was running from the Lord. He was rebelling against God. God sent a storm, and the sailors, they realized this storm was because of Jonah. And so they threw Jonah into the sea. And Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And, and we've learned in week number one and week two and week two, three, we, we talked about how you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish, and he was being disciplined by God. He was calling out to God, and he was there for three days. And we talked to you about how God disciplines those that he loves. And we talked about the reason that God disciplines us, the God's heart is not to pay us back, but to bring us back. And, and, then, and then the fish vomited up Jonah on dry land and then we, we talked about last week we learned about God's the God of second chances and in Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1 it says God came to Jonah a second time and we're grateful that God's the God of second chances amen I mean thank God that he gives us second chances and so God Jonah gave uh, God gave Jonah a second chance to go to Nineveh and to preach to Nineveh and in chapter 3 Jonah goes to Nineveh and he begins to preach. And that I want you to see the results of this second chance and what happened to Jonah in chapter number four. And here's what I want us to see. In chapter number four, we learn from the life of, of Jonah what really matters. What really matters. And I want to give you three lessons about what really matters as Jonah is in Nineveh preaching. Number one is this, is we need to go. You want to know what really matters is we need to go. I want to pick up in Jonah chapter number four and verse number one. It says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. And here's what's happening. Jonah is in Nineveh and he just preached in chapter number three. He preached and he told Nineveh in 40 days, you're going to be overturned overturned. You're going to be destroyed in, in 40 days. God's going to bring judgment upon you because of your sin. And, and, and what happened is that Nineveh turned to the Lord. Nineveh repented of their sin and, and they were repenting and calling out to God. And Jonah was mad. Jonah did not want Nineveh to repent. He did not want Nineveh to turn to God. He wanted God to destroy Nineveh. And so Jonah goes on to say in verse number two, he's displeased, he's angry, and he prayed to the Lord, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee Tarshish. I understand what Jonah's doing here. It's like your neighbor that maybe gets on your nerves got saved or your coworker who maybe... You, rubs you the wrong way, gave their heart to the Lord. Maybe an enemy that hates you, they gave their life to the Lord, and it's like you praying to the Lord, Lord, why are you saving them? I don't want them saved. 
And that, I mean, that's literally what Jonah is doing. He said, Lord, this is, not, this, this, is, this is not what I said when I was still at home. That is why I was quick to flee Tarshish. The reason I ran is because I knew you were going to do this. I, I know what you're all about. And so I ran from you. I rebelled against you. He goes on to say, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah said, God, I didn't go to Nineveh the first time. And he said this because I know your character. I know your character. And God, I didn't go because I know that you're a gracious God and that you love to forgive people. You love to wash away their sins. You, you love to change people's lives. And because I know that you're a forgiving, gracious God, I ran the other way. In other words, Jonah said, God, the first time he says, God, I'm not getting involved in your plan because I got my own plan. God, I'm not going to get involved in your goal. I know you told me to go to Nineveh, but I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to live like I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do, but I want you to bless my goal, even though I'm not going to get involved in your goal. And Jonah, he reminds us a lot of ourselves. Because oftentimes God tells us to go. He says, go, go. I want you to go. I want you to go. And so many people say, God, you know, I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do what you want me to do. I've got my own plan. God, I'm not going to do your plan. I'm going to do my own plan. But I would sure like you to get involved in my plan. God, I'm not going to go where you want me to go. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to live the way that you want me to live. But God, I'm going to go where I want to go, but I sure want you to bless my go. Would you bless my go? Would you bless how I live? I'm not going to do what you want. Would you bless what I want to do? And friends, can I tell you, just like Jonah, God has asked all of us to go. And some of you today, some of you watching online, God's told you to go, and you're running the other way. I want you to see what the Bible says to the Christian, to the believer, about the go. The go, God's called all of us to go. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 19, the Bible says, Therefore, go. Everybody shout, go. I want you to catch that. God says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to reach all people. I want you to, to, to win the world, and I want to see them grow. And he's talking to his disciples, and the world has not been won. He says, I want you to go make disciples. I want you to go reach people of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I want you to understand that God has told all of us, every single Christian, every believer, God tells us to go. Go to all nations. Go to the world. Go preach the gospel. Go make disciples. This, this portion of scripture is not just for pastors or for, or for reverends or for church leaders. It's for all of us. God has commanded us to go and make disciples. And the number one way, the number one and the primary way that God wins the world, that God disciples people is through the church. Everybody shout church. church. It's through the church. I want you to understand that God is committed to building the church. 
Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. I want you to understand that the church of Jesus Christ, the church, it's God's church. It's Jesus' church. This idea of church is not my idea. This is God's idea. And God said this. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, because I'm building my, you're not building my church. I'm building my church. And because I'm building it, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Some people say, I wonder what God's doing nowadays. What's, what's, God, what's God up to nowadays? You, you want to know what God is up to? You want to know what God is doing in the earth today? I can tell you. God is building his church. He's building his church. God is committed to building his church. You want to know what the Father is focused on? You want to know what his heart is all about? It's all about building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And that's what I'm doing. I'm building my church to tear down the kingdom of darkness. I'm building my church to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. God is building his church. And I got news for you. Don't miss this now. You got to catch this. We are the church. We're the church. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the church. And I got some scary news for you. I got some scary news for you. God doesn't have a plan B. We're it. This is it. How are we going to win the world? How are we going to win Oklahoma City? How are we going to care? We are the church, there is no plan B. We're his hands and feet. We're who God is going to use to turn Oklahoma City, to turn Oklahoma, to turn our nation, to turn our world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I are the church. Listen, we're not supposed to just go to church. We're supposed to be the church. God wants us to be the church, so many people are going to church. God hadn't called us to go to church. He called us to go into the world and to be the church and to be salt and light. He called us to build his church, which is the primary agent that he's using in this world to win and to disciple people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We are the church. You want to know how people are going to be won to Jesus Christ? Through the church. You want to know how people are going to be discipled? Through the church. You want to know how people are going to be set free from addictions? It's going to be through the church. You want to know how we can see the crime rate go down in Oklahoma City, in our nation, in our world? It's through the church. You want to know how the poor can be cared for, the widow can be cared for, the orphan can be cared for. It's through the church. We are the church. And Jesus said, I'm building my church. I'm building my church. Matthew chapter 9, verse number 37, the Bible says, Jesus says this to his disciples. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a lot of people going to church, but they're not being the church. The workers are, there's a lot of people that are passing the buck to somebody else. Like God has a plan B. No, we're it. 
The harvest is plentiful. The workers, if you ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers into his harvest field. And I've asked the Lord over the last month or so to send workers into the harvest field in Oklahoma City, to send workers into the harvest field in this church. Because listen, we're not called just to go to church. We're called to be the church where lives are changed, the community's impacted. We're called to be the church. And here's what's happening. I, I want to I just cast some vision to you about what's happening. Next Sunday, we're beginning something called Connect Four. Everybody shout Connect Four. And many of you play the game Connect Four, you know, get four in a row. And here's what we're doing. Starting Easter Sunday, we're having Connect Four. And we're going to have a lot of people show up next Sunday that have not been here since last Easter, have not been here since Christmas, and, 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 and they're going to show up next week. You're going to invite friends and family. They're going to be here, haven't been to church in years, months. We have people that come to church in Oklahoma that have never been to church before. Show up at our church regularly. Come to our church. Show up. And here's my challenge. I'm challenging everybody. I need you to lead the way. I'm challenging everybody to start next week. Four Sundays in a row. Connect four. Come four Sundays in a row. Don't miss one. Here's what I believe. And that's why we call this series Run to the House. Because we believe if you'll run to God's house, God will change your house. If we can get people to run to God's house, God will change their house. So we call this series Run to the House. Because if we can get you to run to God's house, we believe God will change your house. So first week is Easter. The next week is going to be Rev Run. Maybe folks pack out the place and we're going to reach a lot of people and cast a big net this Sunday. And the next week, because we're doing Connect Four, we're going to be giving away between the two campuses over 3,000 prizes. We're enticing people to get back to church because we believe we don't want you to come next Easter. <laughs> Run to the house again in the third week because we believe God will change your house. If we can get you in God's house. And so we're going to have Rev Run giveaways. We're going to have sign Adidas shoes from Rev Run. He agreed to sign all kinds of stuff, sign T-shirts from Rev Run. Then we're going to give away some brand new iPads and big screen television. We're going to give away some 7-Eleven gas cards. Did anybody feel the spirit right there when I said 7-Eleven? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we're, we're going to be giving away a lot of stuff because we believe you can run to God's house, God will change your house. And then the last week, we're going to have special performances. We're going to have a lot painters on both campuses live painting, doing worship, and uh, performances going on. I mean, we're going to, we just got four great weeks planned, Connect Four, to try to get people to run to God's house because we believe they'll encounter his presence, encounter his word, and their life will be transformed. And then on the heels of that, we're starting a series called Ten. It's our 10-year anniversary in May. And we're doing a four-week series called Ten. And we're going to take you back to the AMC days. Because we started in the Quell Springs Mall at the AMC Theater. So the building's going to look like AMC. We're going to feed you popcorn every single week and drinks. And we're going to take you back down memory lane. Tiffany and I are going to stare the stage together on 10, talking about where we came from, how we started, where we're going. The series is going to be called 10. So we got some great things planned. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to be the church. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're not serving in the ministry, would you step up and serve? Now, would you not, not just come to church? Would you be God? Let me, you say, Pastor, what's God? Let me tell you what God's doing. God's not trying to build IBM. He's not trying to build AOL. He's not trying to build Yahoo. God is building the church. That's what he's, that is what God is doing, building the church. And I'm like, would you help us? In the lobby today, there are several sign-up booths. You can't miss them. They're right there. They're in your way in the lobby. They're in your way. We put them in your way. You can't miss them. 
As you try to walk out these doors, there's two of them there. There's one out this hallway. There's in the kids' area. There's two, there might be two over here. I don't remember how many. We got them everywhere. Midwest City. Go over there. You'll trip over some over there as well. But listen, we're going to have thousands of people. We're going to have record attendance next week. And you don't understand this. The so next week, we're going to have another record attendance. 10, 12,000 people on, between the two, the two campuses. And we need you to step up and serve. We're going to have 1,000 to 1,500 kids on this campus over the next couple of weeks. Next week alone, and then the next week, that many or more. I need many of you to step up and serve in our kids' ministry. Would you be the church? Would you love us some kids? Would you help free some parents up to come and worship in this experience? Listen, you can serve one and then worship one. If you're going to help us in our kids' ministry, I need 50 of you in this experience. 50. And if we get 49, I've asked the Lord to give you hemorrhoids and diarrhea at the same time as 49. 50 of you. 50 of you to say, Pastor, I'm going to be the church and not just come to church. I need you to sign up, fill out the kids' application today, today. Because we've we got to have you for next weekend as we have tons of kids. And the next weekend after that, ton, we, need, we need some more people in the parking lot. Let me tell you the thing I was so blessed. I, many of you didn't know. I, I was in church last week. I, I came and worshiped at the 1130 Oklahoma City, then went to the Midwest City campus at 1. And the thing that probably blessed me the most is the people out in the parking lot. I pulled up, it was one of the gentlemen in our, in our 10 o'clock experience right now that was standing in the parking lot here in Oklahoma City, and I rolled down the window and said, I was hoping, I asked the Lord to see, have somebody handsome out in the parking lot, look at you, handsome. But didn't know it was pastor, you know, smiling and waving. I was so blessed to see that the first experience people have when they pull in this parking lot, because the sermon doesn't start when the sermon starts. The sermon starts in the parking lot. I'm asking for some more men to step up. Maybe there's some ladies that you'll step up and help us in the parking lot ministry because we're going to have crazy amount of cars and traffic and we need your help. And all I'm saying is this, we are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. Let's don't go to church. Let's be the church. God is building his church. I'm about to preach today. Let's be the church. 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 Number two is this. You know what else we need? You know what else we need? You know what really matters? First of all, we need to go. We need to go. We need to go. The second thing that really matters that we learn from this story is we need compassion. We need compassion. Jonah chapter four and verse number one says this, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee Tarshish and, and rebel against you. I knew that you are a gracious, notice this, and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And I want you to notice that God had compassion for the Ninevites. He had compassion for those people who were far from God. But Jonah had condemnation. Jonah was angry because Nineveh was turning to God. Sound like a couple of churches I preached at when I was full-time evangelist around the nation. Angry because people are coming to the church. And Jonah's literally mad. He's upset. He's angry. Matter of fact, in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 4, God says this. But the Lord replied to Jonah, have you any right to be angry? You're angry because they're repenting? You don't have compassion. You have condemnation. And it's amazing how Jonah forgot about his second chance. I mean, hey, Jonah, hey, hey, hey Jonah have you forgot just a few days ago 
you were running from God in the opposite direction. You got on a ship and you were running. Have you forgot that you were in the belly of a fish for three days and you got vomited up on dry land and you got fish vomit all over you? Because you were rebelling against God and now God has given you a second chance and now you have no compassion for somebody else who needs a chance to experience. I mean, you have just experienced God's grace and compassion in such a marvelous way and now you don't want to give it to anybody else. Jonah, you're having condemnation. And the tragic thing is this is that you and I can find ourselves in the story. Because you know what we have to do as a church? We have to keep in the forefront of our minds the second chances that God has given us. We can never forget about the second chances that God has given you and I. Because when we forget about the second chances, when we start taking God's grace in our own life lightly, you know what we start doing? We start becoming holier than thou. Anybody ever seen folks like that? I'm holy. I'm so holy. Anybody not holy, I don't like you because I'm just so holy. Listen, God know what you did three months ago. You're not that holy. I know you might be 75, gray hair, and sold out to Jesus, but we know what you was like in your 20s. Hey, hey, hey. Come come on, you ain't always been holy. You ain't always been holy. Don't put that front up in this place. It's been a God of second chances and a God of grace and a God of compassion that's invaded your life, that's changed your heart. And I dare us to be sedity and, and look down at other people and, and condemn other people. And we say, well, we sure want to win the world to Jesus, but you better not take my parking spot in my seat on Sunday morning. Amen. That's- Man, I want to win the world and all, but Pastor, I mean, you're talking about crowds. I don't know about winning the world like that. We can start condemning people instead of having compassion for people. And here's my prayer, church. Here's my prayer. Is that people's church would never be a church of condemnation. And we would always be a church full of compassion for people. And you know that your heart is turning hard. And you don't have the compassion of the Lord in your life. When condemnation begins to fill your heart. And here's how you know when condemnation is showing up. When condemnation shows up. You're more about what you are against than what you're for. And I never want to be a church that's known more for what we're against than we are for what we're for. And Jonah, he didn't like Nineveh and what they were. He, he was against them because they, they, they had been fighting the Israelites before. They were skinning people alive, and he didn't like what they had been doing. And you know what? We can get so focused on what we're against that, that we, we are not raising the banner up about what we're for. And You know what I mean? It's easy. We, we see it all the time. And, and I'm never a church basher. You have never heard me get in this pulpit, in this stage. You've never heard me get up and bash another church, talk about another church. I, 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 we're on the same team. We're on the same team. I will never do that. But it grieves the heart of God. It grieves the heart of God. When we are more known for what we're against than what we're for. Well, well I'm telling you, our church is against. We, we're against lying and cheating. And we don't look at you wearing them pants to turn. We are against it. You don't, you got long hair. You better put it up in a bun. We are against it. You better live a holy live. You bet we are against you. We, you have an abortion. You're gay. We are against you. We are against. And I'm like, 
What are you for? Talk about what we're for. I mean, we're a church that believes in the word of God. It's the infallible word of God. We believe in holiness and righteousness and right living and purity. I mean, we, 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 we believe in all of that. But can I tell you, I want to be no, more known for what we're for instead of what we're against. We're for the grace of God and compassion. We're for that Jesus will change your life. We're for he will set you free. He'll deliver you. We're for the peace of God and righteousness. We're for, we're for so many things. But when your heart gets filled with condemnation you know it because you're more about what you're against than what you're for and God let us be for people and for reaching people and loving people and seeing people changed by the power of God and for the grace of God and for second chances and Jonah here he is he's just got a second chance and but all he can focus on what he's against and he's mad because these people want to repent you know what else happens when your heart gets full of condemnation is you begin to focus on who you are against instead of who you're for. And Jonah was against the Ninevites. I mean, he's literally like a racist or a bigot. I mean, he was against these people. He didn't want to see them coming. He was not only against what they were doing and what they stood for, he was against them. He did not want to see those people repent. And God help us to never be a church full of condemnation. Always a church of compassion. That we're for people. We're for people. I always want people's church to be known as a church where anybody can come. And I want you to know this. I want to declare this from this stage today. I don't care the color of your skin, red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. Come one, come all. Japanese, Chinese, Indian, come one, come all. Everybody is welcome. That's, that's not a front. That's not a game. We're not just saying that. That's our heart. That's who we are. You are welcome at people's church. We're for you. We're for everybody. We're for everybody. Come on. We're for everybody. Com compassion, not condemnation. That, that's, we're for everybody. You, you'll never see me get up here and, 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 and preach about a political stance. No, I'm for, I'm for everybody. You know, people are, we're, we're Republicans. We don't like them Democrats. We're Democrats. We don't like them Republicans. We're Republicans. We're, we, we're independent. We don't even know what we are, but we are against you. I'm like, no, we're the church. And the only thing I'm lifting up is Jesus Christ. Because my Bible says that he will draw all men under him. I don't care what you are, Republican, Democrat, Independent, a mutt. It don't make me no difference. I'm declaring Jesus. I don't like, your Bible might be a trick Bible. Maybe your Bible has political parties. My Bible says lift up Jesus. And he'll do the work. He'll draw all men, and yet we get so focused on what, on, on who we're, on who we're against, instead of who we're for. And I'm saying, People's Church next week, we're gonna have all types of people here for Easter. Rev Run weekend, we were having coming out the woods, <laughs> and we know we, we we did it on purpose as an outreach event. And I'm saying to you, be a church full of compassion, not condemnation. You might have to sit out in the lobby, Reverend, Reverend Weekend. Don't roll your eyes at somebody that took your seat. Come on now. Don't be honking in the parking lot. It's taking too long. I'm preparing you for what's getting ready to happen. I'm preparing you. And I'm saying we're doing this to reach people and let our hearts be full of compassion and not condemnation. And Jonah, Jonah, what really matters, man, is that you have compassion and not condemnation.
Number three is this. There's a third thing. There's a third thing. I want to wrap up with this. The third thing is this. We need concern. The third thing that you learn from this story is we need concern. I want you to hear the portion of scripture I'm getting ready to read to you out of Jonah's life is so powerful. Listen to this. Jonah went out in verse five and sat down at a place east of the city, east of Nineveh. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he's sitting outside of Nineveh waiting to see what will happen. He's hoping God will kill them all. He said, out there, get them, God. Don't have them. Judge them, God. So he's sitting outside. I mean, literally, that's what he's doing. Verse 6, then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. In other words, to make Jonah comfortable. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. I mean, the vine's there, the, the plant's there, it's giving him shade, and he's happy about it. Verse 7 says this, but at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun ablazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. In other words, uh, some of you watching online, you may be from north or Canada or somewhere, and you, you don't get this, but in Oklahoma, in August, it's hot. And that's what Jonah's experiencing, Oklahoma heat in August. It's like when you get in your car after being in, at the store for a couple hours in August. And then how many of you got in there and you try to turn the AC on and it wasn't working? <laughs> Come on. And then you roll down the windows and the air blows on you. It's even hotter. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that Jonah is miserable. It's hot. And it goes on. And Jonah says this. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. Verse 9. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said, Jonah, I do, I got a right. I'm angry enough to die because that plant, that vine has died and I'm hot. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned, concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. And God said, should I not be concerned about that great city? Church, this is so interesting. The book of Jonah ends right there with that question. And I believe God does it for a reason. Because you know, if you were writing a book, that's not a good technique. But God ends the story of Jonah. saying, Jonah, you're concerned about a plant, a vine that died. You're more concerned about that than 120,000 people who are far away from me. You're more concerned about a plant. And God says, he ends it, should I not be concerned about that city over that plant? Jonah, Jonah, you're more concerned about you and you being happy. Because the Bible says when Jonah had the plant over his head, the vine, he was happy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You love me so much. You bless me. Forget Nineveh. I'm blessed. When the plant died, Jonah was angry and mad. He was more concerned about his own happiness and his own comfort than he was a whole city who didn't know God. And I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. The thing that has convicted me all week long is I see myself in that story. I can get concerned about all the wrong things. And as I was studying and praying and thinking about this, I've been preparing for this for a month or so, just thinking about it. God, 
I get so concerned about things that really just don't matter. I'm being honest. Over the last month when the gas prices have been going up, I've been more concerned about that at times. Three fifty again? Does that really matter? In the scope of things? I get over the last few years, I know most of you, if you invested in the stock market, you've lost money. I'm the only person in America who did not lose money in the stock market. I'm just playing. I lost money with you. I lost money with we can get more concerned about what's happening with the Dow Jones than we do our neighbors. I mean, I believe in the heaven and the hell. I do. I really believe that. I believe in a God that saves. I believe there's a God, there's a devil. And we get so concerned. that There are people, listen, some of you, some of you, you're mad right now. You're mad. You, you, you've been plotting about going back to work on Monday. And you're mad at a coworker because you think they took your favorite pen. And you hadn't been, you know that, I know they took it. I know they took it. And you're mad. You're mad. Fighting mad. And you're more concerned about your pen. And you are a city that's dying without Jesus. And my prayer, my hope is God to help us. Help us to be a part of your goal. Lord, would you give us a fresh burden for what burdens you? Because, Lord, we're off track. We're more concerned about if we're going to eat at Outback or Charleston than we are about people in our city who don't know Jesus. God, would you help us? May we not be like Jonah, concerned only about us and our comfort and our happiness when people are dying and spending a Christless eternity, away from Christ, a Christless eternity. Help us to be burdened. What burdens you?